0: Good morning. So, it is Sunday. Happy Sunday. Finally had a haircut yesterday. Finally, after lockdown. And before it got to the end, it got to the moment of lockdown, and I was due a haircut. But I didn't have time to actually put it in. So, what I wanted to talk about today is fussy eaters and kids' nutrition. Okay? So, fussy eaters and kids' nutrition. Partly because... Partly because they're actually up now. I can hear them. So partly because when it comes to kids' nutrition, when it comes to fussy eaters, we can actually learn a hell of a lot because all of of it actually aligns up with that. All of it actually aligns up with that because they are very similar. What we do with our kids is often a reflection of what we do too. Often, not always. And I'm going to just share a few things that, that I do, not that they're right, Because there's many ways to do this you know I have a two-year-old and nearly four-year-old that's gonna be different to someone who's 13 14 etc but a lot of the ladies actually talk about fussy eaters a lot cooking different meals so I just wanted to share a few things that that I do and how this actually relates to what we can do anyway in terms of food environment and I want to start off with food environment so we know that how you set up your kitchen your living room your car will dictate what you eat and how much you eat. If, for example, research shows that if you have cereal boxes out on the side, you're likely to be 10 pounds heavier than someone who just has a fruit bar out on the side. Just from that, which is, which is fascinating, right? And that's the first thing we do is like, we always make healthy food convenient and easy. And this sounds really obvious, like we should all do it too, right? Because when we're stressed, when we're tired, when we have no willpower in that evening, if we can make healthy choices convenient and easy, that almost becomes that almost becomes fast food. Now, they'll then just have free reign. The kids just to go and get through. And they like the I think they like having that choice. Okay? Now, what I want to talk about now is good foods and bad foods. Now, you see it everywhere. And we're bombarded with it. Don't eat this, don't eat that. There's this many sugar cubes in that. And I think too often we forget the psychosocial aspect of food in that. And I describe it like at home, we don't really have that much chocolate cake in the house. Like, morning kitty, we don't have like just chocolate cake hanging around on the side because it creates a conversation where I'm going to have to go, well, we're about to have breakfast, da, 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 and it's, you know it's just like hassle. So if we do have it, it'll be away, and then just comes out later, and then it'll be served with an array of things, so they could have whatever they want. So foods aren't on pedestals, so to speak. Now, when it comes to good and bad foods, that brings me to what we actually call them. Okay, so good foods and bad foods they have quite negative connotations and it comes from it's kind of linked from that moderation term which is a dangerous term because then subconsciously you're also saying I have that I know I shouldn't have too much and yes that's correct to an extent but if we call them foods higher nutrients f- foods lower in nutrients it becomes a bit clearer on why maybe we're calling them that now the problem with when you when you call foods good or bad, and you and you promote that, like kind of eat your, eat your good food, then you can eat the bad food, is already that foods on a pedestal. And something we do, which which they love doing, is we put food out all in the middle, and then they just get to choose, what they want to eat. They just get to choose what they want, and whether that that gives them, that like kind of a bit of empowerment to actually pick. I don't know, but they'll the the one day they'll go, oh ugh, that's horrible. The next day. It's the same food, but they're eating it. And I'm just like, it is what it is. And yeah, some are high quality foods in terms of nutrients, some are lower. And they get to pick. They, they watch what I do as well. But at the same time, they get to just choose what they want. And foods are on a level playing field. And I think when you now go back to like the diet culture, we're told, right, if you're going to lose weight, you need to avoid this, avoid this. And it just makes us want it more. We say things like, I've been really good, I should have this. Yet we tell our, you know, I'm being good, I'm not having cake. Yet we tell our kids, you've been good, you can have cake. Which is really conflicting messaging, right? So, just know as well, I'm going to keep this quite brief and just share a few points on that. That children are really, really in tune with their hunger. Like, really in tune. They they might not be hungry at breakfast, lunch and dinner and that's okay. And I think it, it's important to remember that Just sometimes I just leave their food out and then they'll come back and eat it later in the afternoon. I'll just leave, I say, do you want it, are you finished or do you want me to leave it there? And she often says, just leave it there. Sometimes she doesn't come back and eat it, sometimes she does. But the thing is that in the evening then, they'll make up for it. But it can be very tempting to go, oh, are they eating enough? Is she eating enough? Should I get... Do you want this? Do you want this? Do you want that? And it, and it just becomes a bit of a fight that, that, you know, that is what it is, what's there. Remember, this is just my opinion on it. But we can get into that that battle of like, oh, have that, have that, have that, and just we're chasing different tastes. And that brings me on to taste in that the, you can't really expect kids to eat vegetables plain and bland without salt or butter or anything like that if you don't, slash, if they just... Tr- tried them over and over again and, and they've created a bit of a aversion to it because and this is my my opinion on this the research into salt sauces ketchup butter you know things like that for me i would rather my kids eat more vegetables with a bit of salt on with some butter on the peas whatever it is than not eat them because they're not that tasty because I'll be honest with myself, I love butter on peas, I love gravy, I do love ketchup, mayonnaise, all of them. Now, do I have them all the time? No, but you've got to remember, as we age, we're starting to develop aversions, we start to develop like what foods feel like, so what like peas feel like in our mouth, what cauliflower, what broccoli feels like, and then if you think about what you're comparing that to, like bland old broccoli without salt, and then you're comparing it to like salty crisps. Like, what's going to give us more pleasure? And my point is that if we're trying to avoid salt, butter, sauces, but then they're not eating them, then they're just going for junky food anyway. Then does that just defeat the object? Because we're losing out on a lot of nutrition in that in that case. And I would rather make healthier food more delicious you know because when you think about All right, we're going to have chips often you go All right, get the ketchup out yet if we're having I don't know last night we had ham eggs peas some cheese and we got the ke- ketchup out Then it was like oh I dip my ha- ham in that as well you can dip your ham in it you can dip peas in it it was like no just let them get on with it see what they dip in it and it was a bit of everything and variety is a key thing as well like making sure that we're not I love the quote eight out of ten people say <laughs> eight out of ten people say they don't like oysters yeah <laughs> most of them have never had one which is interesting and it reminds me of uh how we these stick as well like my granddad would always say oh we won't do Brussels sprouts this year at Christmas because I didn't like them when I was like 12. You know, now, like fast forward 20 years, I do like them now, but that's still stuck. And we can start repeating these things. You know, our language, oh, you don't you don't like that food. You don't like that thing. But I just wanna finish and say that they, they are our biggest teachers. Like they ask questions, such crazy questions, that make you go, yeah, yeah, why am I eating out of the bowl of, out of the big part of yogurt? why am I eating in the living room I just told you to stop damn it you've caught me they ask great questions and the more we can set up our environment for them to be healthier for them to be fitter the better and the less conversation we have to have and equally the psychosocial benefits of food in that if they go to a party anything like that birthday parties wherever they are that's just a different scenario and i will just let them eat what they want there they can go back and forth, just let their body kind of go with it. And when they've had enough, then they'll probably have enough. Rather, if I say no more, it becomes a bit of oh well now I want more. So I just wanted to share that. As a lot of people often get messages on the stories that I share them, like you know, when they eat like mackerel and stuff like that. And it's because I always eat mackerel, I come back and I'm always like, right, I'm gonna have some mackerel. Then they'll they'll just follow, they'll just copy. So I hope that helps. Little bit of a quick one. I'll write this in a bit of a more of a blog in depth if you if you're interested in this and any questions on that, do let me know. And speak soon. Take care.